Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. The Bible says when they were at the great stone, which is in Gibeon, Amasa went before them, and Joab's garment that he had put on was girded unto him. And upon it a girdle with a sword fastened upon his loins in the sheath thereof. And as he went forth, it fell out. And Joab said to Amasa, Art thou in health, my brother? And Joab took Amasa by the beard with, his, with the right hand to kiss him. But Amasa took no heed to the sword that was in Joab's hand. So he smote him therewith in the fifth rib and shed out his bowels to the ground and struck him not again, and he died. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, pursued after Sheba, the son of Bichri. I wanna preach to you this morning something that I feel God has just stirred my heart to the core with. So I just need you to come on to church right now. Is that all right? I know you're here physically, but just come on to church right now. We'll worry about warming up later. Is that okay? Amen. Amen. I want to preach to you today from this thought, blinded by the enemy. Blinded by the enemy. Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. I believe that we should acknowledge today that one of the most powerful and one of the most important attributes that we possess should be the ability to identify our enemy. We need the power to distinguish and detect our opponents and adversaries. Because when we do that, we gain the ability to recognize them, then we recognize and sense spiritual threats. And we take necessary actions then to protect ourselves against such. You know, there's a lot of people today that, that when, I can only speak from my experience, but I don't think it's just limited to here and now, but there's a lot of people today that when pastors and ministers start preaching against the wages of, of sinful assaults against families. There's a lot of people that get that, but there's also a lot of people that really don't understand that. And they do not take that to heart. And they just feel like all is well. But I believe that a good soldier is gonna have the ability to recognize the enemy. And so if we're gonna be spiritual soldiers, then we need to know where the threat lies. Amen. Because of a network of satellites and because of high-tech computer systems, 
that have been integrated into the United States defense system, they paint for us as a nation a clear picture of where our enemies are and what they are doing. That said, something because of what we have available to us today, something akin to Pearl Harbor will never happen again because we would know they are coming. Amen. And so if we look at these scriptures that I've read to you today, we, it betrays to us a very wretched story, really, and, and for the sake of time, I don't have time this morning to just dot every I and cross every T, and so if this piques your interest, go back to our text and study this for yourself. Because when we look at these scriptures, it betrays a very wicked, wretched story, the betrayal of a man by a supposed friend. Amasa and Joab fought in times past on the same battlefield and for the same cause. Their military desires at one time had been akin. They had been one and the same. But today is a different story. The dynamics of relationships have changed and now murder is in the heart of one of them and the other man does not understand that. Notice Joab's reactions. He said, art thou in health, my brother? And he took Amasa by the beard to kiss him or to greet him. And while Joab said his bro- to his brother with his actions, all was well. While he said that with his actions, there was murder in his heart. Joab had, had purpose that he would do whatever he had to do and say whatever he had to say in order to get close enough to Amasa to slay him. Amen. And so I will say whatever I need to say. I'll do whatever I need to do. I'll smile as big as you need me to smile just as long as I can get close enough to carry out the sinister plan that is in my heart. Verse 10, I think probably the saddest portion of this, the Bible says Amasa took no heed to the sword that was in Joab's hand. A lot of speculation. The Bible says that that the sword fell out. There's a lot of speculation about that as to whether or not that was on purpose and perhaps just an an accident that that was uh, pre-engineered to just reach down with one hand and grab his beard with another hand only to slay him. He took no heed or took no thought. There was no caution in his heart that I am standing now in the presence of an enemy, a man that was once a friend and now appears still to be a friend. He did not sense murder in the air. And so the Bible says that Joab smote him in the abdomen and took Amasa's life. That's a tragic story. That is a very tragic story because here is a man that is killed by someone he suspected to be his friend. The real tragedy, the real tragic story is about a man really that was unable though to recognize an enemy. I believe that's the tragedy of before us today is that, is that there was something in the air that he just did not pick up on. If there is anything that I pray for, I pray for a lot of things in my life every day, but if there's anything I pray for, I pray for the Lord to help me to have a discerning spirit. Amen. Help me to have a discerning spirit. 
I'm not praying for a spirit of discernment so I can know if and when your well runs dry, Brother Trail. That's not what I'm talking about. I, I'm not praying for a spirit of discernment so that I can know if and when certain events are going to take place in life. I'm not speaking for or against that, but I pray for a spirit of discernment. Help me to know when something is right and more importantly, help me to know when something is wrong. Amen. I don't think I should just pray that because I'm the preacher or a pastor, but I believe that every Holy Ghost-filled child of God ought to pray and seek God daily. Let me be filled with a spirit of discernment. Let me feel when something is right or wrong. I need that. I wanna completely express to you a concept that you already know today, and that is this, that Satan will try to do the very same thing. He never paints himself as an angel of darkness. He, he never paints himself as an angel of destruction. Absolutely not. But it is, sin is nothing but darkness and that is why we are called the children of light. Amen. Everything about God is about light. Everything about Satan is about darkness. Everything about God is about openness. Everything about Satan is about things that are hidden and things, uh, agendas that are hidden. And so we are children of the light. And if we are gonna be children of the light, then we ought to be children that dwell in the light. Can you say amen to that? Satan's gonna do whatever he can to get just as close as he can to, our, to us to rob us of our spiritual life. I believe if we were to poll this audience today as well as many congregations that are gathered, I believe that we would find a broad consensus of people that believe we are living in, an, in the last days. Regardless of your take on certain issues and points, I believe that we all can look around us and feel the uncertainty that is in the air. Amen, we have, as a nation, as a nation, we have watched our lives change since that fateful day of September the 11th. Amen, we have watched, we have watched a nation that was so relaxed and so confident. Now, we sense a spirit of uncertainty in the air. I'm not alone in this, am I? Amen, we feel, that we see how the events unfolding in our world are right at the cusp of God, amen, calling the church home. Amen, amen. I believe that God is working in this hour to do something. And so if God is stirring the church, then you can count on it that hell is working over time. Amen, to just somehow mesmerize us and put us to sleep at this critical hour. Amen, that's why I wanna join the leagues of David and I wanna cry before the Lord and say, enlighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. I don't want the spirit of slumber in my heart and in my mind, but I wanna wake up with a determination in my spirit every day that I've gotta lean in a little tighter today. I've gotta lean in a little bit further. I've gotta press just a little bit harder. Amen. Because the Lord is wanting to do something. Now, whether or not we are just around the corner from the sounding of the trumpet or no, let's just set that to the side. We do understand this, that God did not just fill us with the Holy Ghost to fill us with the Holy Ghost, but he filled us in Acts 1 and 8 he gave us this power so that we would be witnesses. 
He meant witnesses where? Witnesses upon this earth. And so wherever you spend your day, that's where God called you to be a witness. And so some of you are witnessing in an office and some of you are witnessing on a farm. Some of you are witnessing in, in corporate meetings. Some of you are witnessing in, in your own personal own business. Wherever it may be, God has called us in this hour to be a witness for him. And so I, I believe if in our natural life, if in our natural life we are smart enough to stay away from dangerous circumstances that can rob us of our life, then as children of light and as children of God, we ought to be spiritually smart enough to realize I don't want to do anything. I don't want to mess with anything that can take my life spiritually or even hinder my life spiritually. I have a great respect for electricity. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty afraid of it. Just, just being honest with you. And, and, and I want to make sure when I'm working on something, I want to make sure that it's turned off. I want to make sure, you know, I, I, I know it's not like water. I know that when you turn the valve off, it doesn't continue to trickle theoretically. But I want to make sure there's not a trickle in the line. I want to make sure because, you know, and especially the older I get, uh, the more I have to live for. Amen. I, I've, got, I've got more friends. Well, I don't know where your mind went with that. But I've got more friends. I've got deeper friendships. My wife means more to me today than she ever has. My son and daughter-in-law mean more to me every day than they ever have. And so the dawning of it each day, I got more to live for. I got more to be healthy for. I got more to be safe about. Amen, I think you know where I'm going with this. The longer I live, the more cautious I am spiritually. Amen, I'm not talking about being absurd, but I'm talking about being observant. I'm talking about being awake. I'm talking about being alert. I'm talking about being a child of God. God, I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. I don't want to see that. I don't want to touch this. I don't want to touch that. Why? Because there's too much at stake. Amen. There's too much at stake. I don't want to risk being blinded by the enemy. I've got too much invested in all of the saints. I've got too many miles behind me. I've got a few more miles in front of me. So I want to make sure, I want to make sure that I am not messing with something that can be spiritually dangerous to me. Amen. There are certain things that we grow up with, certain fears that, uh, that our parents instilled in us or our guardians, our influencers instilled in our heart. You better be careful about this and you better watch that. And I'm thankful for those things. I'm thankful that, that somebody was smart, smart enough to teach me, thoughtful enough to teach me. Don't touch something that's hot. Don't, don't do this. Don't, don't, don't hold something that's sharp. It can, it can take your life. It can gouge your eyes out. And there's nothing like a mother that can think of a thousand and one things to do to kill you in a day. They see danger everywhere. But you know, long before you just write her off and send her to the funny farm, she may have some points here. She, she may have taken one or two a little bit to the extreme, but she may have some points. You, before you just set her on the back porch and, 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 and throw a shawl over her in a, in a rock or somewhere, you might better lean in and listen to some words of wisdom. That may not just be a panicking mother. That may not just be the frail voice that gave you 
life. It may be somebody that has some real concern. Someone that says, I may not live forever. I may not be here every day to tell you this. So I want you to hear it one more time. I want you to hear it one more time. You know what I'm doing this morning? Amen, I've come here to tell you just one more time. Just one more time. I hope God gives me a lot of life. And I hope he gives me a lot of breath. And I hope there's a thousands more sermons that are locked up here. But I'm gonna tell you, if this is the last pulpit that I ever stand behind, I wanna stand here and say, don't let the enemy blind you. Don't let the enemy get close enough to you. You better watch his hands. You better watch both hands. He's got love in this hand, but he's got a sword in this hand. He's got admiration in this hand, but he's got death in this hand. Oh, hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I sent a memo out to all of our leaders about our service this morning and, and so just, just bear with me here a little bit. I've already apologized to our evangelists. I don't invite people here to come preach for us and then try to preach over the top of them but I feel that God has put something in my heart. Amen, I just can't... I can't live another minute without saying this. Amen, I can't go another moment without saying what I feel like God has for us this morning. Amen, we need to ask ourselves, not is this right or is this wrong? I've been talking about this a long time. Amen, we, we, we got people that are so bent on trying to figure out if this is a heaven or hell issue or is that a heaven or hell issue? Is this right? Is this wrong? I'm asking you, as I've said months and months now, it's not about if it's right or if it's wrong. You are to ask yourself, is is this wise? Is this smart? Amen. Is this a path that's going to lead me to somewhere else? Amen. There may not be anything wrong with this today, but where is this leading me to? There may not be anything wrong with this right now, but where will this lead me in time? Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I, I, I am not trying to be absurd this morning, but I'll promise you that I am 100% right that if someone let you out of a car in the middle of a strange field and they said, I need you to get from here to over there, but there's just one thing you need to understand. This is not just an ordinary piece of dirt. This is not just another piece of real estate, but this is a landmine. This dirt is filled with landmines. I promise you, you wouldn't be just marching through there. I don't care what he said, I don't care what he preached, I don't care what he says, the Bible says, that's his interpretation of the Bible, amen, I promise you, you'd be walking along, I promise you every day, every day every step would be measured every step would be considered I want to make sure I make it, I've come to this pulpit today, not to ignite you with fear and uncertainty. But I'm telling you, there's a real devil and he wants your marriage and he wants your children. He wants your ministry. Hear me today. I say we ought to be on the ground. Oh God, oh God, help me today. I don't want to step here. I don't want to step there. I don't want to be blinded by the enemy. I don't want to be blinded by the enemy. Oh 
There is no time for this cavalier. I'll do whatever I want to do. We better be on our face before God and say, Lord, help me to be the husband I need to be. Help me to be the father I need to be. Help me to be the mother I need to be. Help me to be the wife I need to be. I'm seeking you. I'm seeking you. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let's love the Lord a minute. Let's love the Lord a minute. I love you, Jesus. I praise you. I magnify you, Lord, in this house. Hallelujah. 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 I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Judges 13. You're just reading along in Judges. All of a sudden. Turn the page. Chapter 13, verse 1. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord. So enough's enough. And the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. But hear me. 40 years is a long time, but it's not forever. They were delivered into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years, and there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, now thou art barren, and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware. I want you to lean in. Listen now. Beware. There, there, there's some words of caution that's coming. I'm about to bless you, but there's more in this than just a blessing. Be, behold, thou art barren, bearest not, thou shalt conceive a bear son. There, now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and, need not, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God. We know this is a Nazarite vow. He shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. So here is not just, you know, miracle wonder working God that says, mm, who can I be dazzled today? Well, I wonder, wonder what I could do today to draw a crowd. No. God said, you know, they're coming up on this 40 years and they're gonna need somebody to deliver them. So I've got a plan. So he spoke to a barren woman and healed her womb and said, here are the prerequisites. 
And I think it's important, this is another message for another day, but I think it's important to note that Samson was not the only one that took the Nazarite vow, but his mother also. And if the church is the mother, then we are to really take (laughs) strong note to that. And so we have to understand that God was not just healing the womb of this woman for the sake of doing a miracle. He wasn't just going to give them a child to fill up the spare bedroom, so to speak. But God was going to bless the womb of Manoah's wife for a very specific reason. Israel needed a deliverer. Israel's in bondage. God said, I'm gonna give you hope. And that hope is gonna be nestled in the womb of Manoah's wife. And so I'm gonna raise up someone that would begin at least to deliver Israel out of the hands of the enemy. And so that's why the angel gave her these specific instructions. However, we are scarcely introduced to Samson before we see him doing everything that he was not supposed to be doing because of the Nazarite vow. I don't need just another warm body on the earth, Samson. I I don't need just one more person in the consensus here. I, I, I don't need just another person living on your street. That's not why I gave you life. I didn't allow you to be born into this home so you could live and do whatever you wanted to do. I need your voice. I need your mind. I need your strength. I need... I need your body, I need your vessel because you are gonna be the one to deliver. Here was a man, he was born a deliverer. This was his mission in life and this was not a secret. He was being raised, I feel certain, by a mother and a father that reminded him time, time again, you are different. You are different, Samson. Amen, Brother Rayleigh, I don't think they spared him the weight of the Nazarite vow. I think as early early on as they could hold him and you, you, you just go along with me here if you want. You can stay where you are if you want but I believe that when he, she was holding him in her arms amen, she was reminding him you are, you are a Nazarite. Amen. You're, you're, you're gonna be raised as a Nazarite. Amen. You're gonna be our deliverer because God had already told her this is what role he's gonna fulfill. Amen. She began to look at him as he grow, as he grew. Noah watched his muscles, his sinew begin to grow. Amen, as a little boy, they reminded him, Samson, I know you're down in the dirt playing. I know you're down in the intersection playing with all the other boys, but don't ever forget this. Don't ever forget this. Amen, your mission in life is not to build forts. Your mission in life is not to just shoot bow and arrows. Your mission in life is not just to play cars in the sand. That is not your mission. Your mission, you're gonna be a deliverer. You're gonna, give, you're gonna deliver God's children out of bondage. I hope somebody He's hearing me today. God just give us the Holy Ghost just to give us the Holy Ghost, but he gave us the Holy Ghost to give us a mission. Hallelujah. To give us a mission. We're on a mission. We are on a mission. You're on a mission. Amen. I wonder how many times Samson as a little boy about to get up, run out of the house and play when his mama reminded him, Samson, Come back just a minute. Stuck his head in the door. Yes, mom. Don't forget the mission. 
Don't forget the mission. I wonder how many times they were working in the field. I wonder how many times they were working in daddy's wood shop. Him and they were just minding their own business, doing their own thing. When Noah would look over and say, Samson, you may, I don't know where you're gonna go in life, don't know everything you're gonna accomplish, but don't forget, you're on a mission. You're on a mission, you're on a mission. Amen, you know what I'm trying to do every time we walk into this house? Amen, I'm not just trying to bedazzle you with some sermon. We're not trying to blow you away with some music and song. What we're trying to do is remind you we're on a mission. We are a church that's on a mission. Amen, we're not just here to marry the young and bury the old. We're not just some social service. Amen, we're not some social center in this community but this is a soul-saving station. Is somebody hearing me? Amen, we can't be blinded by the enemy. We've got to remember the mission. We've got to remember the mission. Amen. Amen. So, promise is made in chapter 13, yet the very next chapter, we see Samson whistling along, going to Tim now. What are you doing going to Timnath? What, what business have you got in Timnath? I mean, there's nothing there. There's nothing there that's gonna benefit you spiritually. Amen, after a while, sure enough, while he's in Timnath, he starts desiring one of the daughters of the Philistines. Because see, wherever you shop, that's where you're most likely to purchase. Wherever you spend the majority of your time shopping, that is where you're most likely to purchase. Amen. So you'd say, well, I'm just window shopping. I'm just window shopping. I'm just window shopping. Well, one day there's gonna be something hanging in the window that you didn't count on. Amen. One of these days there's gonna be something set up there on that mannequin you did not count on. You didn't figure that into your master plan and it's just gonna take one or two steps inside of that place of business and it's gonna cost you more than you ever dreamed you would pay. I say, oh God, in your name, I pray that the spirit of Timnath and the spirit of searching and the spirit of wondering eyes would just be rebuked from this body and from my mind and from my heart and from every everybody that's in this house. Lord, help us not be blinded by the enemy. I'm not trying to dot every I and cross every T to this adult audience because I know you know the story. But if you fast forward, he finally fell in love. And I don't mean this to sound crass or carnal, but as the songwriter said, he fooled around and fell in love. Because you can fool around and fall in love with the wrong thing. My wife's always told me this. I never heard her grandmother say this, of course, but my wife always told me that growing up, her grandmother raised her quite a bit in the last years of her life, and she always told her, said, now, you can fall in love with a rich man as easy as you can a poor man. Which is pretty good advice. Not advice she heeded altogether, but nevertheless, it was pretty good advice. <laughs> so every now and then I look at her when she looks all dejected. I said, well, you shouldn't have went to Timnath. <laughs> should, should have stayed out of Timnath. That's the only, only thing I know to tell you. Amen, we got to, can I get you back? Amen. Will you come back to church? Amen, here, here is the bottom line. If you flirt with something long enough, 
after a while, it will lose its, it, it will lose the danger. It, it, it just, it, you know, it just won't matter. You, you keep walking on high beams long enough, and after a while, you'll feel like you're only three foot off the ground and six foot and tall and bulletproof. But hear me, hear me. If you fall, if you fall, you are going to fall to sudden destruction. And if you flirt with something long enough, you're going to fall in love with it. Amen. You're going to fall in love with the wrong thing. Amen. Now, now we see Samson laying in her lap and playing with his anointing. I'm not trying to insult your intelligence with a Samson story this morning, but three times he lies to her about where his anointing is. I mean, the, he should have never been there. I think we all agree with that. But the first time he woke up and found himself surrounded by the enemy, I mean, don't you want to go, come on? I mean, this girl is playing for keeps. These guys didn't show up for a birthday party. You see those swords in their hands? You see the viciousness in their eyes? You see death on their lips? But he does it again, and he does it again. And finally, you, you hear me today. I've said this for almost 25 years. One of the most startling, one of the most startling scriptures in all the, in all the Bible from Genesis to the maps. If you're gonna ask this preacher, I believe you could wake me up out of a dead sleep at three o'clock in the morning and ask me what's the most frightening scripture. In my opinion, what's the most frightening scripture from Genesis to the maps? And I'm gonna raise up out of the bed out of a dead sleep and say Judges 16 and 20 because it's there that the Bible says that the Lord departed from Samson and he knew it not. Amen. Oh God. Oh God, tell me today that it's not true that the Spirit of God could leave me and I wouldn't even know it. I'm preaching to some people here today. Don't be fooled just because you can walk in the church and feel the anointing of God and you think everything's all right in your life. Don't be fooled because you feel the presence of God or tears when you pray. Don't be fooled because the devil knows where you were last night. The devil knows what you were doing Friday night and if he can blind you just a little, just a little at a time, just a little at a time, if he can get close enough, if Joab can just get close enough. Amen then he's gonna take the sword and he's gonna one swift. The Bible says he smote him not again. One, one time, that's, 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 that's all it took. One time because it was measured steps. It was calculated movements. And Abishai never saw it even coming. He wist not, he, he took no heed to the sword that was in his hand. He took no heed to the sword. In verse 21, Judges 16, 20, he didn't recognize the spirit of the Lord left. Think about that. In verse 21, it says the very first thing that the enemy did was gouge his eyes out. Blinded him. I'm gonna rob you of your future. What a pitiful sight. Here is God's anointed man, blinded, now grinding at a meal. Brings, brings many questions to light, doesn't it? Samson, what, what are you doing? What are you doing here? You know, I, I can remember as a child, and I'm not just, just suggesting that all my wrongdoing was locked up in my childhood. But I can remember as a child just doing something wrong, and your mama or your dad walk in and just say, what are you doing? That's when we gave that real intelligent reply. I don't know. I don't know. He's like, 
reality. You felt foolish. Well, what are you doing? I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I don't even know why. I have no reason for that. Don't you remember who you are, Samson? Have you been in the enemy's hands so long that you've forgotten your mission? I, I, I just heard this recently, and this stirred my soul. And So bear with me for just a moment. But a few years ago, a story made headline news, certainly around our nation and possibly around the world, of a young girl that had been abducted and held in captivity for many years. And her abductors, a, mom, a man and a woman who had, who had horribly abused her throughout the years. She was found alive, thank God for that. But once she was found, there's a lot of work to do now because she's been in the enemy's hands for a long time. She's been told a lot of nonsense for a long time. And so they took her to one of the leading psychologists in California and among the team of people that were working with her was a man by the name of Pastor Tim Grayson who is a presbyter in the United Pentecostal Church in the Western District. But he also serves as a chaplain at, a, at the police department. And so he was called on to be a part of that team. And he was there, of course, for the spiritual aspect of these things. And, um, of course, the key role was in the hands of the professionals, and I'm not trying to imply anything otherwise, outside of a voice and a witness to what... I'm, I'm, I'm going to share with you, brother. He, he actually told this story personally to Brother Mooney and Brother Paul Mooney, and I, I heard Brother Mooney share this. They were there to work with her, and the basic idea at, at the beginning was to get her to acknowledge who she was. Because she was in denial about who she was. And they were going through all sorts of tests to help her to come to terms because in the process of all this, she lost her true identity. And they went through all sorts of real life stories and they had her parents, of course, come and, and, and just sharing family stories and, and old things that were, they were just trying to jar her memory, but nothing was seeming to break through. But, but Brother Grayson shared this. He said every day the doctor would hold up a picture and, and he would say, a picture of this young lady, and he would say this, is who you are. And he would call her by name. Even though it didn't sink in. And, and, and mom and dad's joining all these family stories and, and all these things. But every day, the, every day the doctor began the day by saying this is who you are and this is your name. But nothing was seeming to break through. And then one day, and then one day he held that picture up and he said, young lady, this is who you are and this is what your name is. And then all of a sudden her eyes filled with tears. There was something about that picture, amen, that just brought everything back the walls of denial, all, all of the nonsense, all that she had been programmed to think and believe was all washed away and she began her healing process. Amen, all of a sudden memories started flooding back and flowing back. All the years of her captivity and abuse had now at least momentarily been pushed aside because she was able to remember who she was. Amen, do you understand this morning what I'm doing behind this pulpit today? Do you understand what I'm gonna be doing Wednesday and next Sunday?
Sunday and next Wednesday and next Sunday. Amen, I'm running across this congregation. Amen, I'm holding up a picture and I'm saying, Everett, this is who you are. This is who you are. Justin, this is who you are. Amen, Chris, this is who you are. Angela, this is who you are. Merle, this is who you are. Amen, nothing sometimes is getting through, but I'm gonna keep holding up the picture. I'm gonna keep saying this is who we are. We are the church. Amen, we are the church. Amen, we've got a mission. We are on a mission. I've got no business in Tim Nath. I've got no business flirting. I've got no business down there. I wanna wake up to who I am. I wanna wake up to who I am. Amen, this is who we really are. And if this is who we really are, then what are we doing marching in the wrong direction? This too much? If this is who we really are, then what fellowship hath light with darkness? If this is who we really are, Brother Gibson quoted this Wednesday night, James 4 and 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? And whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world, hear me, a friend of the world is an enemy of God. And so the Lord is saying, what are you doing? This is who you are. What are you doing? This is who you are. Amen. I put you in this office on purpose. I put you behind this desk on purpose. You thought I gave you a job so you could buy beans and rice for your children. No, 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 no. <laughs> I gave you that job because I needed a missionary voice behind this desk. Amen, I put you in that truck. I put you, you name, you, the list goes on and on and on. I put you here and sometimes we get all caught up in the office politics and the dirty jokes and we wanna go out and go have a little drink with the boys in the afternoon or have a little drink with the girls in the afternoon. Come on now, your pastor's preaching this morning and we're wondering what's it gonna hurt. I'll tell you what's it gonna hurt. This is who you are. This is who you are and this is your name and we cannot be a witness in Tim Nath and we cannot be a witness if we are laying in the lap of Delilah. You gonna run around with all the guys, tell all the dirty jokes and then invite them to church on Sunday? Half the reason people can't worship when they come to church is what they've been doing before they got to church. Because when you go and lift up your hands, the accuser of the brethren says, well, well, well. You're gonna pray today after what you were doing and thinking and saying and participating in? And so it locks our worship up and we become bound. Amen, we are bound by our past. We're bound by decisions and we can't pray. We can't lift our hands. Pardon me this morning. Amen, Brother, Brother Duke, I'm not trying to preach over you, sir. Amen, but I'm here today to tell you that once the devil gets you all shackled, he's got you where he wants you. I'm not, I heard Brother Osborne 
preached a message one time. He shared in that message a young man, family from their church. The, the grandmother was in their church. Grandson had been in trouble with the law several times and gotten a little bit of trouble with the law. And the process of that, he got locked up in the city or county jail, whatever. And, and in that little short span of time, his mother died. And the grandmother came to her pastor and said, oh, Brother Osborne said, oh, I hope they don't bring him to the funeral. Shackles and chains. Oh. And he said, sis, I, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but if they let him come at all, he'll be shackled. If they let him come at all, I promise you he'll be in chains. He said, I sat there when that young man came in, the shackles, the chain that ran up to the chain around his waist and his arms handcuffed to his side. And he said, I, I watched that young man reach for his mama, but, but he couldn't reach in. Somebody he could just reach towards, somebody had to touch him, her for him. Amen, he, he reached to try to wipe the tears of his, out of his eyes. He could only reach toward his eyes. Somebody else had to wipe those tears out of his eyes. I'm telling you, Steve Boyd is not preaching today, but I believe Jesus came to this church service this morning. Amen, I believe Jesus is standing in this house and he's telling you, if you keep going where you're going, if you keep walking where you're walking, amen, you're gonna find yourself in shame. You're gonna be in the church, but you can't raise your hand. You're gonna be in the house, but you can't dance because your feet have been shackled. Amen, you're gonna be at the, ch at the church, in the church, but you can't raise your hands in liberty because sin has blinded you. Sin has blinded you. Oh, Jesus, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. You know, so many people are always wanting a word from the Lord. You got a word from the Lord. You got a, I got a word of prophecy for you this morning. May not sound too prophetic, but I promise you it's true. If you want to know where you'll be in a few short years, just show me your friends. Show me your friends. That's where you'll be. You hanging around somebody always devaluing the importance of being in church, it won't be important to you after a while. You always hang around with somebody though that says, you know, I gotta cut this short. It's Wednesday. I gotta be in church tonight. Hey, I can't do that. That's Sunday. We're gonna be in the house of God. Hey, I can't do that. We're having this program at the church or that program at the church. And you know what? Hey man, those people will help you to wake up and say, realize I gotta do what's right. I gotta do what's right. You know what? If I'm gonna be a moral husband, I need to hang around with moral men, moral husbands. If I am gonna be a moral father, I better surround myself with some moral fathers. Hey, this is not rocket science, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. We're not going to run off the road by accident. We're not going to run down in the ditch by accident. You know why? Because the preacher's standing behind the pulpit. He's holding up a picture this morning saying this is who we are. The church. The church triumphant. Not the anemic church. But the blood bought church. Not a church dragging her leg hoping she can make it in the pearly gates. No, no, no. I'm talking about a church triumphant. I'm not talking about a cripple. I'm not talking about a blind. I'm not talking about a one-legged, one-eyed church, but I'm talking about a triumphant church. I'm talking about a church on fire, a church blood bond. <laughs> 
from Blood Bowl Church. Hallelujah. Oh, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost stirring. We better wake up. Amen, I'm gonna tell you if my heart wasn't right, I'd be running over people to get to this halter. Amen, if my life wasn't right, I wouldn't care who said what at dinner. I wouldn't care who was talking about me tomorrow. There's only one thing that's important. That's your soul and the trumpet sounds and the Lord comes today. If he calls me home, I must be ready. I must be right. Oh, Shatoho Hallelujah. You better watch. Choose your peers carefully. Choose your influencers carefully. Amen. I'm not trying to preach past the moment, but I got something else to say. I'm glad our children have joined us, as a matter of fact. Amen. I'm glad they walked in and caught their, their pastor red faced and sweaty this morning. Amen, that's all right. That's all right. Amen. I'm not interested in whether or not our children become the next American Idol or whether they're the next sports hero. Amen, I want them to fall in love with Jesus. That's what I'm most worried about. That's what I'm most concerned about. Fall in love with Jesus. If you can participate in a few things here and a few things there and they don't, they don't violate the standards of the church or they don't violate the word of God, then help yourself. But honey, I'm not worried about what you're gonna do or what you're gonna become in the world's eyes. I'm worried about what kind of kingdom people we're raising behind us. Amen, I'm telling you. Amen, if we don't get our mind on God, if we don't get close back in close fellowship with God, we have no hope of our children following us. Our children are always gonna drift further from the line than you walk for a season of their life. I'm not stating that they're always gonna do that. That's why I tell our church leaders, you need to walk one step in. Why, you're leading. If you're leading on the edge, you've got people hanging over the edge. Amen. I want them to fall in love with the Lord. I want... And I don't mind this being on record, but I want our sons to have heroes like C.P. Williams, James Varnum, Paul Mooney, David Bernard, Jerry Jones. The list could go on and on and on. I want our daughters to have heroes like Nona Freeman, like Priscilla McGrew, like Joy Haney, like Corliss Williams, like Naomi Varnum. And the list could go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. 
Amen. I want them to study the footprints of men like J.T. Pugh and James Kilgore. Amen, Brother Gibson. I want them to place their finger on the timeline of men like C.P. Kilgore and O.F. Foss. And I want them to go backward in their life. And I want you to trace. Amen. That's your hero. Amen. That's the men. That's the women that'll be difference makers in our tomorrow. Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to tell you one day Michael Jackson sang his last song and he danced his last dance. Are you hearing me? Amen. And the world is no better. The world is no different. Amen. I'm talking about for the good. But oh Lord, when we lose men like O.F. Foss, when O.R. Foss draws his last breath, amen, we need somebody in a generation behind us that said, I am going to grow up and I am going to feel those shoes. Am I just preaching to the wind today? Who's going to take the place of men like G.A. Mangan? What young lady is going to fill the shoes of Vesta Mangan when she's gone? If you don't recognize these names, and you've been going to church here for too very long, you better pull out some books. Amen. You better get, get your nose, amen, in a book somewhere and find out what these wonderful men and women, life changers, life changers, destiny changers, destiny changers. I'm talking about people who left indelible footprints. I'm gonna be real honest with you. Brother Darrell, last Sunday when we were standing here, all of our... School age young people were standing here around the front. We were, I was just standing here. I was looking at all these, I mean, from just those in pre K all the way to seniors, just looking at them. I was not, I'm just, I don't want to offend you, but I was not wondering who the next doctor would be among them or who the next lawyer would be among them. I'm not, I'm not shooting away their futures or, or their desires, but I'm going to tell you what. I was looking at this group of young men and women and I was wondering, I, I'm, I'm being, not for the sake of this sermon, I'm as honest with you and transparent as I know how, but last Sunday, just, just one week ago today, I was standing looking there and I wondered how many Sunday school teachers are standing here? How many preachers are standing here? How many preachers' wives are standing here? How many missionaries are standing here? Amen. Am I crazy? I wondered, I wondered how many of these young men and these young women will say, you know what, I may never feel a pulpit call to the ministry, but I am determined that I'm gonna be one set of strong shoulders and you can set the weight of the home church down on these shoulders and when the church dips and when the church takes on a little bit of water and when the church gets a little rotten and when everything's not going just right, amen, I got some shoulders, set the church right there. We'll be here Wednesday. Set it right there. I'll be back Sunday. Set it right here. I wasn't coming for the singing. I wasn't coming for just who was gonna be holding the mic. Microphone. I feel the weight and the burden of the kingdom of God. Set them on these shoulders. That's what I was thinking when I looked out and saw those young people. Yes. Jesus in heaven help us. I'm glad we got kids crying out in church. Thank God we got kids. Amen. I'm not talking about being off the chain, can't do nothing with them. But I'm glad they step on the hedge and break it down every now and then. The landscape company needs the business and we need the kids. 
Thank, thank God they write on the wall every now and then. The hardware store needs to sell a gallon of paint. Somebody needs a blessing to roll it on. And we need the children. They're our future. They're our today. They are, they're our today. Oh, 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 amen. They're our right now. Right now. I'm appealing. Musicians come. I'm appealing to some moms and dads. I'm appealing to some grandmothers and grandfathers. Stop trying to live your life vicariously through your children and grandchildren. For God in heaven's sake. God in heaven's sake. Amen. Let's raise them to be soldiers in the army of God. Amen. I'm trying to close. Where did Justin go? Justin, come here. I'm trying to close. But let me tell you something. If you are going to aim your children at something, aim them at the right thing. I know it doesn't always work. And I believe that Brother Woodward helped us more, helped me more than anybody's ever helped me with training up a child in the way she should go. Proverbs are principles. And I know we do all the right things sometimes and it all turns out wrong. We're going to put that in the hands of God. But as long as you can aim, aim them in the right direction. I remember in 1992, I was preaching in Louisiana. Justin was 92, would have been seven years old. You remember that? So you know what's coming? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm surprised you came. <laughs> Back then, I stood him up on the pulpit. But I won't do that today. <clears throat> but when you read Genesis 49, <clears throat> when you read Genesis 49, it talks about the last days of Jacob. Oh, stumbling, staggering Jacob. had a hard time getting it right sometimes. He made a lot of wrong decisions and made a ton of enemies. But he had a wrestling match one night that forever changed his life. There was something powerful about reading about his last days. And so, Jerick, I need you to, if you will, put that up on the screen so I can step away from my Bible just a moment. The Bible says of Jacob, oh, blundering, fleshly, carnal, at times, Jacob. The Bible says in verse 23, the archers, verse 23 of chapter 49, the archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. Hated him. But here's what kept him. But his bow abode in the strength, in strength and in the arms, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of of the mighty God of Jacob. And so here it is. Now my son is into archery and so he doesn't need my help now as he did at seven years old. Amen, but, but give us a little taste of what it was like when you was trying to first learn how to shoot your bow. Not a comedy show, but give him a little taste of what it was like. Yeah. You know why I know that? Because he handed it to me. Amen. That's Jacob sometimes. Just couldn't get it right. 
Jacob, the surplanter, just couldn't get just couldn't get it right. But you see, on the bow there is a breakaway. There's a point. Amen. There is some point. Amen. Now, don't invite me to go hunting. I'm, I'm bluffing through most of this right here. I just know this from why I picked it. But there is a point where it'll come on back. Amen. At that point where you're staggering, at that point where you're just wobbling, at that point where you're just wobbling, when Jacob would wobble, the Bible says, but his bow abode in the strength, not of himself, Sister Baggett, not of his own finesse, not of his own will, not of his own pizzazz. No, no, no. But he said, amen, that the arms of his hands were made strong. Amen. By the mighty hand of his God. Are you hearing me? I don't know how to be a good father. I don't know how to be a good husband. I don't know how to be a good Christian. Amen, just go ahead, sir. Throw them hands up there. And when they start wobbling, you're gonna feel the strong arms of God's hands. The hands of Jacob's God will strengthen you. Let's all stand. Let's all stand when I'm about to give in to temptation. When I'm about to succumb to worldliness. When I have done all within my resources and power. When I've done it all. The mighty hand of God. The mighty hand of God. It'll come around. I'm not talking about sometimes. I'm not talking about every now and then. I'm not talking about just, just if you get good enough, if you stand just right, get your tongue on the right side of your cheek. I'm, I'm telling you that all we have to do, amen, Josh, all you gotta do, amen, just put your bow up. That's all you gotta do. And when you have no strength as a father left, amen, when you have no, no answer for the questions that are assaulting your family, just go ahead and throw your arms up and the power of God will reach around and he'll strengthen you as a husband, as a father, as a man of God. I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable this morning. I'm I'm trying to say we don't need to be blinded by the enemy. There's a spirit of prayer here. There's a spirit of prayer here. Amen, what are we gonna do with it? Are we gonna just hope that it passes by? Amen, there's a spirit of repentance here. Amen, are we gonna hope that it just lives in a little while and we can walk back out and be the same man we were when we walked in? Or will you respond? Samson, get out of her lap. Get out of her lap, Samson. Stop shopping in Tim now, Samson. One of the marketers are gonna catch your eye. One of the sellers of wares is gonna catch your eye. Quit shopping in Tim now. Quit shopping in Tim now. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Come on, there ought to be a spirit of travail. There ought to be a spirit of travail in this house. If we could only see. Asa, Asa took no heed to the sword that was in his hand. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386 386- 386 
935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.